Now, again, before we dig into it, I just want to pre-frame. When I short stay properties, I always make sure the primary decision that I've made is firstly about capital growth. If short stay turns off tomorrow, I still want to end up at square one, which is a good property, good location, capable of getting a good long-term rental return. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, we're going to dig into the property trifecta one more time. Yes, we're going back to the trifecta. We're going to get the hat trick. I tell you what, we're actually going to dig into one of the pieces of the property trifecta puzzle. That is the idea that we can change the trajectory of our cash flow Today, I'm going to cover off some tips and strategies on how to go and Airbnb your property. Yes, it's time we did the Airbnb conversation. So we're going to dig into it. There's going to be a little bit more detail. Today's another homework-based lesson. If you like the idea of learning tips and strategies, you've come to the right place. And of course, My job these days is to simply share information, strategies and tips on real estate. And of course, all the episodes I've done of the podcast are actually lessons on real estate. So feel free to dart about and go back. And as always, as urban property investor listeners know, the best way to listen to the show if you're a newbie is to play the show in double speed. Now, I've got a few shout outs to do because uh, a lot of the crew, the listeners have been uh, ringing up, dialing in and uh, helping out. And if you're a listener, now's your chance to help out. Yes, why not leave me a review? Yes, this is me groveling for reviews. I'm ready to grovel. Uh, But I tell you what, uh, I want to shout out to a couple of you, actually, who have helped with some reviews, and uh, I'm proud as punch because a couple of you have put uh, some nice, kind words, if you like, Um, and I'm going to shout out to uh, CK Sydney. Yes, CK Sydney. Congrats, Sam, on hitting your century. Thank you, CK uh, CK Sydney. This is undoubtedly the most Gopnik property podcast in Australia. Thank you for your reference to the podcast. And of course, mentioning Gopniks, which is what this podcast is about. It is not only about property. We mention Lake Widow, Gopniks. Uh, We mention all sorts of strange things that happen. I want to do a bit of a shout out to a few other people. Ben Smith, you know who you are. And because your surname's Smith, I'm going to use it because there's so many Smiths in this world. Ben discovered that my podcasts were not actually working on Spotify and let me know. And I appreciate that because a few episodes got jammed in Spotify and, and I logged a case and yeah, I'm waiting for Spotify to fix it. So by the time you listen to this, Spotify's probably fixed the three missing episodes that never made it to Spotify. So if you're a Spotify listener, 
I apologize to you because uh, your world got shook up because the podcast never got released. And uh, I want to apologize for that. So there's all sorts of people contacting me. I've got people contacting me about health and well-being. Uh, I tell you what, um, I'm getting details on anti-clockwise electron spin vortex spinning water. Yes, I'm learning that there is vortex-driven spinning water. So all of a sudden, people are contacting me left, right and center. And... uh, All sorts of things are happening. I don't know what uh, vortex direction spinning water is. Um, It's not even H2O, it's H3O2. Uh, Apparently, it's big in Byron Bay, and uh, now everyone's into uh, H3O2. Uh, There you go. The world's changing all the time, isn't it? Hey, let's get into the show, because if you've never listened to me, you're probably about to switch off and change podcast. And we can't have that because if you're a podcaster, you need earballs, you need listeners. So we're going to go over the property trifecta and you guys know this, but we're going to dig into one of the subsections of the property trifecta, which is a subsection where we change the trajectory of our cash flow by doing some more tricky strategies. And today we're going to go over a trickier strategy than just normally renting out your property, we're going to actually go through some Airbnb tips and ideas and plans for you to look at real estate a different way. Now, obviously, when it comes to the property trifecta, rule number one is we want to buy and hold property. And if we can start with capital growth in mind, we're well on our way to financial freedom. The first principle of real estate really has to be that we want to buy a capital growth property first. We can circle back later and create cash flow in our world and uh, speed up our cash flow trajectory and velocity, if you like. But if we miss out on growth, we fundamentally are trapped in that rate race a lot longer. Capital growth can do wonders for cash flow. That's just how it works. You can buy a property, get a lot of capital growth, even sell that property and go and buy cash flow. You can buy businesses, you can buy dividend stocks, you can buy real estate, which produces higher rates of cash flow. I like, however, and I'm open about the conversation around this, that if we're going to buy capital growth, why not even buy capital growth where we can change the trajectory of cash flow? If we're going to buy an asset and it's got capital growth growth potential, does it also have cash flow potential? This is a great way to look at real estate and something that I love looking at. Now, here's the truth about real estate. Most real estate is in areas where changing the trajectory of its cash flow is very, very difficult. Most stock, most supply is generally going to areas where people don't want to live, they're forced to live. And when it comes to short stay rental opportunities, most people would never travel there to use those suburbs. So if we can buy some capital growth, Uh, If we can add into our plan a property as part of our portfolio where we can change its trajectory and activate its cash flow, it's a smart play. Now, remember, 
for a lot of people to actually financially retire from real estate, they may need more than one asset. And I like to teach five properties, five cities, or five locations. Within that five properties, five cities, five locations, one of those locations, one of those five properties uh, can do what I'm about to talk to if you plan for it. You can buy an asset today, which is going to benefit from capital growth, but also you can use it down the track as a little cash cow. And uh, today we're going to go through that principle. Now, obviously, uh, when it comes to being a property investor, you've got to understand two principles, capital growth and cash flow. Now, obviously, capital growth, as I've alluded to, is an important part of this puzzle. We do not want to go and just buy weird cash flow that never grows. So if we can buy real estate, which is going to grow, and we can change its cash flow, that is the optimum thing to do. Now, typically speaking, back in the day, we would go out to mining towns, country towns, find really cheap, dirt cheap property somewhere and uh, look for that when it came to creating cash flow or positive cash flow. Today, we can use the shared economy. It's really that simple. The gig economy, the shared economy, whatever we want to uh, use the term as, we can change the trajectory using technology, using things like Airbnb, using things like short stay. Now, again, before we dig into it, I just want to pre-frame. When I short stay properties, I always make sure the primary decision that I've made is firstly about capital growth. If short stay turns off tomorrow, I still want to end up at square one, which is a good property, good location, capable of getting a good long-term rental return. Remember, I believe that a property which has good localized niche characteristics is going to perform, a property in a great community is going to perform, and of course, overall, a great place, a great location, a great uh, specific part of a city makes the perfect place for primary capital growth. But obviously, the world allows us to do things like short stay. And of course, this is not a primary opportunity. This is what we would refer to as a secondary opportunity. Now, if you go down the road of making the Airbnb the primary opportunity and all of a sudden the world changes, then if you're stuck with a property in an inferior location, not designed around capital growth, uh, you will pay the penalty for that decision. So short stay, it's a big thing out in society. It's a controversial thing out in society. A lot of people believe many of the short stay properties should return to the uh, rental market so people's rents can be cheaper. Obviously, the counter-argument to that is that would potentially disable the tourism economy. And of course, Australia is a tourism economy. We have some great 
uh, people involved in the tourism space and travel is just going to become a even greater force into the future. So today people expect to be able to have an experience, a localized experience, not just a hotel experience. And of course, traveling families, people, uh, couples traveling together, um, people with kids, properties or homes uh, or even apartments or villas that are basically part of of the residential world make a lot of sense for people. If you're traveling with your dog, you potentially want to stay in a place where you can take little Raffi the rascal dog. Now, I recently traveled with Raffi. I went to Brisbane. I wasn't prepared. I didn't get any Airbnb. I couldn't even find one. They were all booked out. I had to stay at the W with Raffi the Gopnik dog. Yes, I have photos of Rafi staying at a five-star hotel. But I tell you what, I would have preferred not to stay at the W Hotel with Rafi the Gopnik Dog. I would have preferred to stay at an Airbnb, but I decided to travel basically the night before, and that made it very difficult. However, the point of the conversation is there are all sorts of reasons why people need all sorts of accommodation. And again, there's probably a bit of a movement at the moment to go, well, you dirty property investors that rent out your properties on Airbnb and make uh, good amounts of income, how dare you? We, the people, need those properties back to rent them. And let's face it, there is a big drive for the world to restore to some sort of social collective. Like there is a movement there that's like, if you're doing well, we want to pull you back down. And again, I simply don't think, you know, that that's ultimately fair to people giving it a good crack in this world. But let's face it, um, you know, the, there is a movement there out there that uh, people shouldn't have holiday homes. Should People Uh, should only have one property. People shouldn't have more than one property as an investment. And certainly people shouldn't short stay their property for extra income, changing the trajectory of their cash flow. So here's why most people don't actually Airbnb their properties. I mean, if the returns are so good, why doesn't everyone actually go and do it? This is, a, this is a, a big question I get a lot from people. And there's a couple of ways to answer this. Firstly, most properties are not actually in places which make good locations for short stay. Now, I use AirDNA. It's uh, basically a, a software which you uh, can use. Anyone can use it if you're willing to pay and it can tell you location scores. Uh, today in Australia, there are A plus Airbnb marketplaces, A uh, A minus Airbnb marketplaces, B B plus B minus C C plus C minus D uh, E. You name it. It, it, it goes right down there. And personally, I love to buy in what are known as A and B uh, Airbnb marketplaces. They do very well when it comes to short stays. So first reason why 
uh, everyone doesn't do it is not everyone owns properties in places where you could possibly do it. The second reason people don't do it is most people are actually pretty stressed when it comes to owning real estate, let alone doing something like short stay. They are absolutely stressed and don't want to actively participate in real estate. Now, obviously, for a lot of real estate, um, most people just want a passive approach to owning real estate. They just they don't want anything to do with it. They won't even go to a strata meeting. They won't, uh, you know, participate in it. They're happy to own it, but they don't want to participate in it. This is most people do not actually want to participate in property investment. They want to be a property investor, but not participate as a property investor. It's two different concepts going on. So really, uh, I think the other major reason why people don't do it, after buying a property, most people are worn out. The whole process of buying a property is pretty stressful in Australia. You've got uh, taxes, lawyers, real estate agents, you've got uh, getting your first tenant, you've got building uh, up a team around you, you've got a lot of things you've got to go and do. And like anything, when you go and do something like that, the first thing that happens when you finally accomplish buying the property is you take a deep breath and just having a normal tenant for most people is that deep breath moment. And of course, for many property investors, they start with a normal tenant, get uh, absolutely used to it and basically never stop um, having just a normal lease, normal tenant. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Uh, Today, I'm just opening your mind to explore some other ideas as well. And of course, many properties out in the marketplace were bought so long ago that the rental returns are exponential to the debt on those properties anyway. I mean, I've got a client in Kirribilli who gets $1,600 a week. When that lady bought that property, she paid $40,000 for it, right? In 1982. So, um, she doesn't need to Airbnb the property. She's getting a huge return and obviously has paid off that property um, now, which is incredible, right? So the longer you own real estate, the higher the return you're probably going to have. So many people just don't need to even convert because when they do the conversion against their debt, actually long-term rents are better. Long-term rents, um, well, Uh, Short-term rents actually really work quite well when you've got a lot of debt. In other words, they're superior to your debt position. Um, Really, as I allude to, most most buyers don't want a proactive approach to being an active player in the property market. They just don't, and there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, I guess, you know, when we think about things like Airbnb as well, it can be also a gap just in knowledge as to how to go about it. Now, I always think that if you are going to be a short stayer, if you're going to play the game of being an Airbnb, 
just, you know, if you're going to wig out at stuff, maybe this isn't for you. Honestly, if you're going to spit the dummy because uh, someone stayed in your house and dropped, I don't know, a frying plan and broke the handle um, and you're going to lose it and you're going to, you know, get all weird and stuff, man, don't do this. Like just, just go do something else with your life because you'll get stressed out because a lot of shit happens with things like Airbnb. And um, that's just the game that you're playing, right? And if you kind of don't want calls from your Airbnb manager and, and dialogue and you don't want the stress, then don't do it because you're going to get calls and you're going to have to play this game of uh, of um, you know people staying over for the short term and there's going to be phone calls made to you and you got to want those phone calls not get all weird and unhappy that uh, that world exists so when you analyze properties for Airbnb, there's kind of four sections to the market, if you like. And this really does relate to the income profile of the real estate. You've got high-end luxury, which do super well on things like Airbnb. Like houses can rent for fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a week in high-end luxury. Obviously, high-end luxury usually converts to a high-end um pretty awesome location where people want to be um, for a period of time. And, you know, there are some high-end luxury places, for example, in Byron Bay, where the income profile is is close to a half a million dollars a year just on those assets in cash flow, half a million a year. Um, so high-end luxury is obviously the ultimate in real estate. If you can ever get yourself to high-end luxury assets, there's a huge amount of money to be made, but ultimately most people aren't high-end luxury shoppers. So then we got what we would refer to as premium, premium real estate. Premium kind of real estate is kind of more modern, more uh, possibly brand new. It uh, looks and feels great to stay within. It's not a stagnant profile it's uh, it's in really good condition. And when you can imagine someone booking the accommodation, they're looking at, wow, this is new, this is light, this is airy, this is safe, this makes me feel like I'm going to be comfortable, right? Which takes us to the next section of analysing stock is modern but, uh, you know, a little bit dated, modern, but a little bit dated. Let's call it a median level of comfort. And again, like a medium level of comfort is going to rent differently to a premium level comfort, which is going to, again, rent differently to a luxury level of comfort. So when analyzing this kind of stuff, you've got to factor in, obviously, the look and feel of the asset, the age of the dwelling. And of course, there are properties today which are also on the short-stay rental market marketplace, which you would probably call essential. Like people will stay there. It's probably their last choice. Probably the, um, you know, areas booked out. Um, they booked at the last minute and really – 
it's the ugly duckling property that is left. It's a little bit cheaper, but potentially because it's last, you know, there are ways to market those properties as well. So that's kind of the segment when it comes to the idea of the short stay market. As I kind of alluded to, when it comes to short stay, we want to invest in places. Now, as I've said many times on this podcast, there are hundreds of suburbs out there, but they're not that many places. Sydney has 300 suburbs. It's place economies, if you like, are much less. You know, number one place economy, Bondi Beach. You know, Airbnb, a property on Bondi Beach, you're going to get a huge amount of rent. That's just the way it works because Bondi Beach is a place. Uh, There are plenty of non-places in Sydney, suburbs which mean are meaningless. They're great family suburbs or they could be good uh, hibernation places to go, but they are not places of interest for people. So we want to Uh, when we're doing this to get the most amount of cash flow, we want to make sure we understand our market segment and then we want to understand our market places. And of course, we want to understand ourselves that we're not going to spit the dummy when the frying pan breaks, okay? It's just how it works. So when it comes to short stay dynamics, what we're looking to do over time is build a good database of reviews. Now, no different to me giving a shout out to um, CK Sydney for giving me a review. Thank you for the five-star review, CK Sydney. Um, But reviews equals business, right? And again, like... If you've got a property in a good location, good community, it's a good at a local level, you're going to get growth. If you're getting uh, offering a good standard of accommodation, a good standard of living, um, you're advertising fairly, you're being accurate with your stay um, information, you're going to get a good review. That's just the way it works. Now, of course, in Uh, accommodation real estate, there are quirky places that people go and stay. You know, people are staying in tents and people are staying in treetops and all sorts of things. But ultimately, they do not have titles. We want titled real estate. We want real estate whereby we're going to get capital growth because it actually is real real estate. Uh, There is plenty of Airbnb properties which are fundamentally Uh, less real and, uh, you know, not capable of getting capital growth. What we want to do is buy real real estate. We want to buy it in capital growth oriented places. We want to be able to make sure that we know our market segment. And then we want to be able to make sure that we provide a good experience to people. Now, the experience of someone's stay is critical to the review you'll ultimately get and the repeat business you will continue to get as a short-stay landlord. Now, think about it, right? When you go to a restaurant, how do you judge a restaurant? You're going to judge it on three things. The food, 
the ambience, and the service. That's the three categories you're going to score the uh, outcome of your experience at a restaurant. I guarantee you if the food wasn't that great, but you had good service and good ambience, you would probably still rate the experience as fun and good. So in real estate, particularly short stay, we're really trying to rate the ambience and service. Ambience is the quality of the offering you're going to offer the marketplace. And of course, what that means is giving the market a good experience of staying in the asset. Good furniture, uh, nice artwork, some things to do beyond sitting on the bed or sitting on the couch or using the stove. Uh, You can do things which are really cool. A lot of people do things like putting ping pong tables in garages and uh, using uh, games boxes so that people staying can play and have some fun. And remember, short stay is not about just making another hotel room. It is making an experiential dynamic. With the short stay I've done, I've provided bicycles, I've provided games, I've provided um, uh, barbecues, I've provided all sorts of things so that the stay is enjoyable because where I'm trying to score is my uh, ambient score. Then, of course, we have the experience score, which is basically most judged on the check-in experience and the checkout experience. And of course, for short stay, you want to make it simple. People need to know where their keys are. They need to know uh, what staying in the place is like. They need a good booklet to look through to go, well, what's the internet code? They need um, small little touches that make the stay experiential. And of course, today there are some great uh, property management teams that are short stay managers that really refine the experience part. They do things like 24-7 communication, real smooth booking um, uh, techniques, uh, smooth check-in techniques. They offer a stunning home presentation. I mean, um, Every now and then, I actually Airbnb where I am. Now, I'm in a luxury place. Uh, it's my house. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, I just want to clear off and travel the world and be a nomad. And I'm like, you know what? I can get a bucket load of cash if I rent out my house uh, on short stay. And, man, like the sheets that people get to stay in when they stay in the house it's incredible. Like these sheets are like, must be a thousand dollars for these sheets. Like they're the best sheets I've ever come across. Um, and you know, sometimes I think I should just disappear for a week to get some new sheets, wash them. Like they, like the company doesn't take them back. It's amazing. Little touches. These little touches just, I don't know. I tell you what, they, they get my juices flowing. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, the little touches are about recommendations. You know, where are the local restaurants? What's great nearby? Um, People love using good quality short stay. And 
I'm a business Bedouin. So I travel all over, all over Australia. I travel, I've stayed in, um, you know, accommodation and there's some pretty rough, what I would call short stay accommodation out there. Like you go into the home, the apartment and you know, it's, it's stale, it's energyless, it doesn't make you feel like you're comfortable uh, and all you do is basically put your bag there and leave. The polar opposite is what you're actually trying to, uh, to achieve. You want to give people an experience. You want to give them recommendations. You want to give them the local food guide. You want to give them your personal reference points so that you're getting someone wanting to refer you, give you a five-star review, um, and even come back. And of course, repeat business is one of the best reasons why people love doing uh, short stay, why, you know, people will come and uh, particularly from a business point of view, they, if your property's within a business precinct, you know, business better ones come back again and again when they find a place they like. So when we're doing short stay, we've got to realize that we have to actually change the way we think about rent. Now, typically, if you rent a property out uh, on a 12-month lease, you may be getting rent fortnightly, weekly, or monthly, which is great. Like, it's consistent. Um, it comes in, you know, unless your tenant's not paying the rent, um, you're going to get a check at the end of the month, so to speak, and you're going to get money dispersed into your bank account. You'll pay your mortgage because your mortgage is monthly and uh, it's nice and simple. But of course, with short stay dynamics, it is far more seasonal and it is far, far more daily. So obviously the goal is to go, well, how do I arbitrage 365 days a year? Do I do it monthly and get a monthly rent or do I do it daily and get a daily rent? And of course, the idea around short stay is to do things at a daily level. Now, of course, people are going to stay two days, three days, five days, seven days, 21 days, 28 days. That's what happens inside of short stay. But of course, there are better seasons than um, than others. Uh, there are obviously events and holiday seasons. There are um, certainly catalyst things that happen uh, throughout the year. Now, down in Melbourne, for example, you've got some bedrocks. You've got the Boxing Day Test. You've got the Formula One Grand Prix. You've got the Melbourne Cup. You've got the Australian Open Tennis. These are kind of bedrock events which happen inside that city. Then, of course, if you layer that on top of things like conventions and uh, and exhibitions, you've got this kind of constant steady stream of activity. And of course, then you've got people who prefer to holiday in Melbourne as a, you know, city break, if you like, um, you know, more seasonally. So middle of winter, things are less um, obviously desirable than, for example, the start of spring. So that's just the way it works. So from an income point of view, you're going to have peaks and troughs. 
And this is why if you're going to be a short stayer, you've got to look at rent annually as opposed to monthly. It's very probable, for example, your mortgage could be $3,000 for that month and you only collect $2,000 for that month. You're going to be down $1,000. The next month, your mortgage is still $3,000, but you collect $4,000. You're up $1,000 for the month. So that is just the way it works. And annually speaking, you just want to end up with more than you would normally get when it comes to the principle of renting your property out over the full period of a 12-month lease. Now, again, like what I love about this strategy is also it allows you to think about your future. Now, when you think about your life, right, what do you actually want from life? If your idea of life is that one day down the track, you would like to be a bit more nomadic. You would like to actually travel. You would like to be comfortable, but use your own real estate. Then potentially the idea of buying properties where you can short stay them when you're not using them is a great way for you to not only think of this from a income point of view, but also from just a lifestyle point of view. And there are some obviously great lifestyle places where real estate works well on short stay. And again, like I think with where the world's going, um, the idea that if you are going to build a property portfolio, if you start with the primary question, which is growth, as long as you start with that in mind, if you can find a place where you go, you know what, I might use that one day and I'm cool if that sabotages the rent, but I get to actually come and go from places. So instead of renting the property 300, trying to rent it 365 days a year on a 60 or 70% occupancy, you're trying to rent it, you know, um, 250 days a year, but on an 80% occupancy because you're using the property yourself. So I think real estate, which makes a good all year round place for short stay, are obviously catalyst places. We've got some critical ones, places like Byron Bay, Margaret River. I mean, people are always going to these places every, every weekend. There would be someone in those uh, suburbs or townships that just are constantly going into those marketplaces. They are driven around cafes, lifestyle, foodie culture, event culture, and of course, surf. And uh, certainly some of our surf suburbs of surf towns make some pretty good places when it comes to short stay. Obviously, you've got other dynamics Uh, Hospital belts, for example, are really good places because not only from a short stay point of view can you look for travellers, but you can look for medical stays. Then you've got uh, what we often refer to as peri-urban weekend places that are drivable from CBDs, um, you know, an hour and a half away from the city, kind of city, but kind of country. And, uh, you know, quite often you find uh, vineyard places very uh, good for this type of 
uh, growth plus income strategy. And then, of course, you've got CBDs themselves or cities rather than CBDs. Now, when it comes to cities, you can um, absolutely do well out of things like Airbnb. Some of the best ways to think about that, of course, is cities surf areas or, or bayside areas or, or sand belts, if you like. They're green belts. Uh, and also they're uh, coffee belts. They're, they're um, really cultural, cool, retail, foodie kind of places. This is where people want to go. And quite often the drivers from short stay are things like sporting events, cultural events, exhibition events. These all drive uh, foot traffic into cities. Business people travel, uh, exhibition people travel, sporting fans travel. They all move as, uh, as these events unfold. The other thing I think we need to comprehend around short stay is it's not just about Airbnb. Um, it can be things like all of a sudden your property is exposed to really um, people being relocated for a period of time. And, you know, I, I'm in contact with Airbnb managers that I'm involved with and uh, I always get contacted. You know, would you be willing to rent your house out for 10000 uh, a week for two weeks? There's a film crew in town. They want to, you know, use your property. Um, so you get offers. And this is, this is an interesting dynamic around real estate is like, uh, when you go into this place, you're you're inside an offer marketplace constantly. That's why I say it's not passive; it's very active. You got to, oh my god, man! I was just about to have dinner, and now I've got to move out of my house and and rent it out to a film film crew. Uh, and of course, if you're not living in the property, you get other types of offers. You get things like uh, corporates relocating. You'll get the phone will ring, and it'll be like, uh, you know, can you make a decision? We've got. Uh, some engineers relocating from a mining company in Perth. They need a three-month stay in your property. Are you willing to do it? You'll get um, people ringing up going, uh, you know, this unfortunate soul's got their child in the local hospital. They're going to be there for the next six weeks. Got a broken leg. Um, you know, can they, you know, use the, you know, rent the property? Um, and so you're not only getting sort of, people who stay for two or three days and passing through getting more of this kind of uh sort of uh you know situation where situational things arise and of course one of those is also people relocating you know one of the things you'll often get is people uh you'll get you know Couple relocating from London, expats needing a place for three months while they get on their feet. And of course, um, they will offer you good rent. It won't be the maximum nightly amount of rent, but it certainly will allow you to push your rents and get a really good pricing strategy going. And so uh, when it comes to starting from scratch with obviously short stay, you got to understand it can take anywhere from three to six months to get your bookings up to where it's continuous. So obviously if you're starting from scratch, 
you have no forward revenue, no forward booked cash flow. So um, when you're starting out, if you like, you're basically put in a position where you've got to think about what that looks like. You've potentially have no forward book revenue. So you've got to book people uh, basically and wait till the inertia takes over. And it takes three, sometimes six months, depending on when you start and depending how seasonal your uh, the area or place that you're looking in is, right? So that's just the way it works. And um, again, if you're going to um, lose your marbles over a broken frying pan, you're probably going to lose your marbles because it takes three to six months before you are solidly booked. Your future looks good. And of course, many of the um, Airbnb uh, providers today allow you to uh, either book out time in your own property, you use it for yourself, but also you can look at your forward books and go, well, yeah, my property's booked out for the next, you know, 90 days. Um, and it allows you to budget and of course, make sure that your revenue is uh, where you want it to be. Now with short stay accommodation, fees and costs are much higher than they are if you're going to have a normal property manager paying 7 or 8%, right? It's just the way it is. You've got cleaning fees, booking fees, management fees, and uh, these can buffer anywhere from 20 to 30% of revenue that is created. And again, like if you've got um, a good management crew that are on top of this, you know, they're making you money uh, and, of course, they need to make money as well. So we all need to make money out of this process. Otherwise, the process doesn't work. And again, like um, there is just things you've got to consider that, you know, obviously, if you've got a much smaller property, um, you know, the cost to clean that maybe, um, you know, mathematically, uh, you know, too high compared to, for example, a much larger property where someone's still going to the same place, same time. Um, yes, it costs more because it's a bigger property, but there's a scale of economy there, right? So again, you've just got to work out, you know, if you're going to get absorbed by costs because that can also happen. That happened to me that uh, I owned a property. It's a great property, but it got smashed by the cost to run the asset because it was used to consistently and the cleaning and uh, you know uh, so forth became became an issue so uh, if you've got a good property good location good place it scores really well on air DNA it's gonna it's gonna tick the boxes um, and of course today there are some great cash flow calculators that can work this stuff out and and really you can work out whether the property's just better off staying long term or actually becoming a short term property um, for the future. Now, obviously, in some places, there are other headaches to deal with, uh, body corporate schemes, um, on-site managers, these type of things can can absolutely um, cause so much drama that it's just not worth doing 
the property as a short stay property. And of course, insurance. You're going to need uh, a landlord insurance uh, package, and there are rent covers out there for short stay rental properties. And of course, as I've alluded to, you're going to need a really good uh, remedy when it comes to your property being furnished. And again, like, don't think of providing a service department to someone. Like, you're missing the point of short stay if that's your goal, to, to go service department or go service house. No, no, you want to make it interesting for people to stay there. You want people to have a good experience staying there. And again, like if you can think outside the box and it's not too expensive for you to do, do things like, you know, monopoly boards inside, um, you know, uh, at the cabinet. Um, do things like bicycles. Do things like really awesome you know, art on the wall. Digitally, it's going to make your property pop and you're going to put yourself in a incredible situation for getting more people interested in staying in the property. Now, of course, when it comes to uh, the idea of inspections around short-stay properties, there are two modes where this is really not bad, right? The first one is cleaners come regularly. And if cleaners see something untoward inside a property, they're going to notify the uh, on-site, oh, sorry, the uh, the Airbnb manager, right? So everyone's going to hear about it. And uh, today, um, you know, one could argue that certainly long-term because periodic inspections, you know, can happen six-monthly and so forth, Maybe uh, actually having a cleaner go there every few days is actually going to give you a better viewpoint of the condition of your asset. And that's just the way it works. Um, so uh, short stay, you know, we often conjure up things in our mind or the wear and tear on the property. You know, what if people trash the property? And of course, that can happen. I'm not saying it, it will never happen. But ultimately, most people are just good people using these type of properties and stay there um, in a harmless manner. And of course, as such, um, you know, you are checking in on that property um, regularly as well. Now, maybe I should have started with this. Is actually short stay legal? Well, this is an interesting conversation. It there is really nothing to say it's not illegal. In New South Wales, there are some laws around fundamentally how it works. Um, there are things like state law that governs the way short stay works. There is certainly local council law, which governs the way Airbnb works or short stay. And there are bylaws if you're in a strata scheme, which again govern the way short stay works. Now, if you are in a strata scheme, the best thing to do is read the bylaws and it will tell you whether that's a problem. If uh, it is uh, 
notated in the bylaws that there is no short stay allowed. You would need to go to a strata meeting and have that conversation with your neighbours and basically have it out as to why that should change. And then you can get that fundamentally changed. So you need to read the bylaws. Obviously, local councils have rules and regulations and state uh, governments have rules and regulations. For example, in New South Wales, you can only rent out a property six months a year short state. So 50% occupancy maximum unless you can rent out the property for longer than 21 days that's not counted so again like um there's some nuances to that rule but you can see that the new south wales government is trying to uh fundamentally you know basically monitor and make it fairer that uh that those properties are more used and not taken necessarily from the broader rental market. And it hasn't necessarily done anything. Most people are quite happy to rent their property out six months a year and get to use it as well. And even on a 50% occupancy rate, it uh, can actually sometimes in the right place beat a 12-month lease. And of course... Um, Really, how that unfolds as well is the cost of a nightly stay has actually risen. So there you go. It's almost uh, as if the socialist agenda is trying to stop some of this way we can all make money. And of course, um, down the track, no doubt, there will be you know, probably a tax on people that short stay their property. I wouldn't um, dismiss something like that unfolding, you know, an extra surcharge, an extra two grand a year or whatever it may be. Again, if that stuff kind of meddles with your mojo, then, you know, don't even get involved in this type of space. But uh, if you don't care about that stuff because you're ready to make more, then you just, you know, it's just a cost of doing business. A lot of rules and regulations and costs and taxes are just a cost of doing business. The more muscle you create in that space, the better off you're going to be. Remember, the primary rule is growth first. The secondary rule is cash flow. As long as you stick to that model, whatever happens down the track in the crystal ball is not going to bother you. If you buy a property and you're happy with the long-term rental numbers and you're happy with the property's overall location and performance from a capital growth point of view, then changing the cash flow and changing the trajectory of the cash flow is a benefit, a secondary benefit to the real estate. Now, remember, when it comes to real estate, you've all played Monopoly. The way to win Monopoly is to build hotels. The more hotels you got, the more cash flow you're going to make. Most people in society cannot buy a hotel. The most simplest way to change your trajectory of your cash flow is to create your own hotel. Your own basic formula is short stay. And of course, we have seen a short stay boom of late because of COVID, because all Australians are traveling in Australia. 
And uh, we haven't even seen the next wave of overseas guests traveling to Australia yet. And of course, with the way uh, certainly a lot of the world's uh, population transformation is unfolding, where there's a rise in the middle class around the world, there is certainly going to be more travel into the future. And of course, if there's uh, more travel, there's obviously more need for people to want to stay in short-stay accommodation. Now, again, like I think uh, when it comes to this, just be careful. Short-stay is not buying a hotel room. It is not buying a service department. It is not buying in timeshare. It is not buying in a holiday letting pool. It is buying in a alpha neighborhood good for capital growth. Your primary goal is capital growth. Your secondary goal is changing the trajectory of the cash flow. All right, folks, that's it for me today. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. Thanks for the shout outs, guys. Thanks for all your text messages. Hey, thanks for the uh, Vortex water. Why not? All right, see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.